Hi, I'm Tracy Burns. I'm a financial advisor with UBS. And you're going to learn five things in this podcast, and then you're going to move on with your day because we are all super busy. I am on a mission to help women through divorce, through transition, help empower them. I have a super soft spot for female founders and entrepreneurs, small businesses, and of course, closing the wage gap. I have three teenagers, two are girls, so I have a personal interest. This podcast is a small piece of helping us all get there. Before we dive in today, please listen to a few of our previous podcasts. We talked about five ways to create your own opportunity, five ways to lead remotely, which seems to be so important now, five things your business should be thinking about right now. So please go back, listen to the previous ones. And for context today, it is the fall of 2020. God willing, it's the after. We are in the tail end of COVID-19. Hopefully no big resurgences. Hopefully we get to move forward. COVID has done a lot of things, but one of the best things I think is that it's made a lot of people look in the mirror and rethink their lives. And I think in times like this, you either sink or swim. And, and really, we as women in particular have this entrepreneurial gumption in us that makes us want to swim. Even if you're just home with the kids homeschooling, you need to get out of the box and think through this. That's why I'm so excited our next guest is here. Barbara Roberts is basically has made a career out of entrepreneurship. She writes and speaks about all things entrepreneur, um, entrepreneurship. I, I want her to tell her story, but Really, she began on Wall Street. She took companies, transformed them, and is now a residence, uh, entrepreneur in residence at Columbia Business School, Hofstra University, and is really out there empowering women to just, and people in general, just to get off your butt and do it. Right, Barbara? Absolutely, Tracy. So good to be with you today. I love that you said entrepreneurship is a lifetime state of being. And what if we could talk about that for a second, because I think a lot of people think that you're either born with an entrepreneurial gene or you're not. And you say that's not true. Absolutely not. Um, I think also I'd like to go back to a couple of things that you said in your introduction, Tracy. Sure. First, I am you know seeing this time really as a time of chaos. We're not in like crisis management. It is a time of chaos. Um, I've run companies through 9-11 and the economic meltdown that we saw in 2008 and 9. And in both those instances, we sort of knew when there was the bottom. And so one of the things that I think are so appealing about this time and the topic that we're talking about today is that in chaos, there's incredible opportunities. And I cannot stress enough to your listeners that if you think about it, absolutely every aspect of life has been disruptive. There is absolutely no one who truly knows how next year is going to look in any, um, anything, whether it's education, how we're living, uh, health care, how transportation, um, any entertainment kind of things. Nobody knows what next year is going to look like. So entrepreneurship really is something that all of us have done even in the last six months. We all were forced to innovate. And that is, at the end of the day, what entrepreneurship is about. Uh, one of the things we're going to talk about in the moment is that all entrepreneurs really at the end of it are enjoy when a problem comes along. And that is really the 
I would say, the state of entrepreneurship. But I just really would like to just start with saying that there isn't a human being on the planet who has not acted like an entrepreneur in the last six months. But I love that. And everyone needs, you need to shout that from the rooftops because I think so many people get down on themselves, women in particular, right? You like, you know, I did a podcast with Rebecca Minkoff recently and she said the same thing. She's like, stop the woe is me. We like have been talking about how women are set back because of COVID and, you know, June, June Cleaver's back in the picture because we're at home doing dishes again. But but it's bigger than that. Like think, think more forward. Think about what you are conquering and how you're killing it at home and how you are indeed acting like an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I, I just, uh, I just like to really highlight that. And I love it when I do and then people say, Oh my God. Yeah. I, I've did so many things in the last six months that I couldn't have dreamed I could or would be doing if I think about how I started this year. So um, I just like to highlight that, that all of us have learned that there's an entrepreneur spirit in us. And I think I, I do. I think we didn't mention this, Tracy. This is also after the election. So there's a little bit of positivity for many of us on this kind of feeling that the, you know, the American spirit of just picking up, coming together and really solving the incredible problems that we really are looking at, that we really can do this together. Amen. And look, yes, you're the CEO of your home. Just because there isn't like a warehouse that you're packaging, you know, a product that you're trying to sell and getting dirty in a warehouse doesn't mean you're not an entrepreneur at home. Like I just, I think we have to start looking at our lives a little bit more like a business, like you're saying, which is why I love this topic. You know, prior to COVID, women were launching 1,200 businesses a day, according to the American Express um, recent women business owners report. And while that backed down a little because of COVID, every, at least four in every 10 small businesses are owned by women. So it is there. I don't, I, you know, I think we need to remind women that, especially that they have it in them. And, and that leads us to your first point is that every human can be an entrepreneur and innovator because you have, we're all obsessed with fixing something at some point, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, maybe just I should take a second, Tracy, and um, just talk a little bit of how I got to this journey. Oh, please do. Yeah, um, but which also I think might put it in a context of um, you know, why people may want to listen to me. <laughs> um, but you know, one of the things that I absolutely believe is, and I think, again, this is magnified in the current time and also mirrors what you said in your opening uh, introduction to this, and even the way you talk about yourself. Um, it's extremely important for all of us to know what our mission is. Um, what, and I absolutely know that every person on this planet was put here to solve a problem. So again, to pick on this spirit of how all of us have been entrepreneurs, I think this whole last six months has led all of us to be clearer about what's important to us, what is the problem we want to solve. So one of the things that I have done in my entire life is ask myself every day, what, what can I do today to help women get their fair share of the political and economic pie? Um, this started actually in second grade when I was the tallest person in the class and it came to Friday and I found out that girls could not carry the American flag. So I led my first sit down strike to get us our fair share in second grade and 
after about a half hour, I was allowed to carry the American flag for the first time in our school. So that's been my life since second grade. You um, go. <laughs> I can tell many other stories, but I know that's not the topic today. Um, and then Maybe after, it should be. after the economic meltdown of 2008, um, just by coincidence, I started working with entrepreneurs at Columbia um, and so I do add a second question, and which, of course, in the last six months has been very relevant. I ask myself, what can I do every day to help someone start a company or a project to solve a problem, to innovate, and most importantly, that also can create new jobs and wealth? Um, I actually have seen a tremendous boom of entrepreneurship um, in the last six months. So just very quickly, um, my first career, I worked on Wall Street. I was the first woman who uh, ended up on the board of directors of Dean Witter. Um, and when I was not put on the executive committee, I left um, and was part of an article that the Wall Street Journal did about where, what women were doing. In, it was in 1986. And that article coined the term glass ceiling. So I've been watching women's kind of economic and leadership development a long time. So just so I started my company, uh, I took over FPG, which is a stock photography company um, that we just changed the face of, of photography and we won all these awards in the Clinton White House. We also developed some uh, early technology that put photos on CDs in the internet. And I had the credible experience of having both Bill Gates and uh, Mark Getty bid on my company. So that was, which we're now part of Getty Images. Um, the second company was Acoustic Guide, which is a company that does audio tours at museums and historic sites around the world. But since I sold that company in the mid nineties, I have been teaching, writing, and speaking about entrepreneurship, uh, primarily in my role as entrepreneur in residence at Columbia and Hofstra. So just very quickly, um, in the last six months, probably at least two to three nights and days a week, I am talking to entrepreneurs or teaching entrepreneurship, and I have seen an extraordinary boom. And I am actually seeing women starting businesses out of their homes um, at really a record rate. So um, I think we're coming out of this, you're going to see even more women entrepreneurs and business owners. This is, this is nothing but great news. That's why we have to start to see the current environment, not for like <laughs> what seems like an, this never ending dread, but the positivity of it, this, this notion that we are about to change the world forever. Digital transformation aside, we as entrepreneurs are about to change the way we do things. And so all the more now, back to your first point, um, you ask, and you said, you, you ask yourself every day, what is your mission? How can I help someone? What, what are you obsessed with? And that's where you start, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've written a number of white papers of entrepreneurs and all these white papers involve me really talking deeply to an entrepreneur. I've been doing this for the last 12 years. Um, and I've easily spoken to at least 100 to 200 extremely successful entrepreneurs and there's a couple of things that I have come to understand that people don't understand about entrepreneurs. And the first thing 12 years ago, which I wrote about was, and particularly at that time, it was this idea of entrepreneurship was about becoming a billionaire and a millionaire. And it was all about money. And I will tell you that I have never 
met a successful entrepreneur that started their company to become rich. Um, I think this is something that people do not understand if they never really have been an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs are absolutely driven to solve a problem. And one of the secrets of being a successful entrepreneur is to have that attitude. If you have a solution to a problem and it's coming out of your head, that is just coming from your own experience. That is a hypothesis. And if you really are going to be successful at solving the problem, you cannot be in love with the way that you want to solve it. You must be in love with the problem. Just be obsessed to solve it. Be Know that if you're going to be an innovator, the first person to do something, you cannot care about being perfect. You cannot have an attitude uh, that you're afraid of failure because you can't do something for the first time and do it perfectly and not have a couple of things possibly not work out the way you expect. The difference between possibly normal people and people have an extreme entrepreneur spirit, which everyone can learn, is this attitude to give up perfection, give up a sense of failure, and realize that if you're obsessed to be the first person to solve a serious problem or or do something in a new way, um, that is what you should be obsessed about. Solve the problem, and then you will find the answer. And I think you're absolutely right in that people see it backwards, right? Because we see Elon Musk in headlines and no one knows about all the companies that failed beforehand. And we see, you know, Bill Gates, and as you mentioned earlier, like uh, we see these big names and we don't, we have no idea what happened the 30 years before these people hit it. Well, you should read some of my white papers and you will, Tracy. (laughs) And and they will, because I will link to all of them. But so... I have to stress that an entrepreneur never thinks they have a failure. Um, Entrepreneurs see their lives as projectory to solve the problem. And entrepreneurs actually really have this crazy attitude. Entrepreneurs, I have to say, in my experience, get more depressed after they're super successful and they sell a company and their company was taken away. I saw entrepreneurs got depressed when they got extremely wealthy and they didn't realize that selling their company and not working every day was really the core of the being. Um, Entrepreneurs absolutely love things working out in a terrible way because our basic attitude is an attitude of optimism, It's an attitude, oh, that was interesting. This is what I learned from that. This means I'm one step closer to solving the problem. So again, that is the mindset of entrepreneurship. And again, going back to what people have experienced in the last six months, I am sure everyone can recognize that, that there was something that they were forced to do that was so foreign to the way that they were living. But when they got to maybe the first time they tried to fix it, It wasn't exactly perfect, but in that lesson, they tried it again, and eventually they got it right. And when it all came together, that joy and that sense of accomplishment of doing something new, solving a a problem for yourself, your family, the way you're living now, um, really gave us some incredible moments of joy in the last six months. That's amazing. But, But to your next point then, just because you have an idea doesn't mean you have a company, right? There's, there's this business model canvas that you talk about that really need to, that's the next step. Yeah. I mean, this is a, we, 
over the last 12 years, um, the academia, if you think about it, um, a master's, uh, an MBA is a master's of business administration. Um, it was founded by Ford at Harvard, and it was it was to teach people how, to, in fact, to be bureaucrats and managers and manage the process of how cars were manufactured. It oh, never, I have my MBA. I know nothing about cars. <laughs> well, but, but you also <laughs> you know about the principles and process, Tracy. <laughs> But it, it was not, you did not, you were not, there wasn't a focus when you were doing your MBA on innovation and entrepreneurship no. and how to, it was about administering things. And it was about learning how to keep things going and, and building on what was already there. So one of the real um, joys and positives after um, the meltdown of 2008 is entrepreneurship really became that the student, the kids who were going to school them demanded that they start learning how to do this. So we have a lot of now academic things we've learned about this and we no longer write 40 page business plans. We totally know now that one person and even if two or three people cannot do really solve a problem on their own and the way this process has to work again you get obsessed by the problem you want to solve you scribble down your idea of doing a solution and then you download which any of your listeners can easily find a one-page document which is called a business model canvas and all it is is blocks and in the way that we teach to start a company is you start thinking about the things you have to put together to make a business around your solution. You scribble the answers to these questions in pencil on this piece of paper. And the next thing you do is you go out and you talk to 10 to a hundred people live and test everything that you've written there get ideas, listen to them, and change it. So some of those kind of real questions would be, you know, really writing down how do you really help the person? What is the exact problem the person has? Who exactly has it? Who am I going to help? How exactly am I going to add value to that person's life? How am I going to interact with that customer? How am I going to find that customer? How, how do I find out who reaches them? And then how do you make money? So that's kind of thinking about the questions of how you're going to get this product or service out into the world. And then you have four questions to help you think about what has to be behind it. Um, you, can, you think about who can help you, who could be a strategic partner, um, what are the key things that you have to do if you're going to really get this into uh, the world? And what resources do you need? If you were going to create your solution to the problem, what people, what money, what materials, what knowledge do you need? And then, of course, most importantly, how much is all of this going to cost? So um, that's the kind of way that I've just given probably a 200,000 MBA now, um, if, if you're going to major in entrepreneurship, at the end of the day, those are the things that we teach to get started. That's amazing, though, because then you take those and those are those are really important questions. And then you're sa- you're saying, and I love that you say this, get out of the building. If you're yeah. obsessed with this, yeah. get the heck out there and test your hypothesis. Right. And be open 
to criticism. You know, you said 10 to 20 people, I guess 10 to 20 people that you know and trust. Yeah. Well, no, it is. I mean, one of the big things that this method always gets, you know, uh, they, you know uh, feedback on, oh, it said, oh my God, I have this incredible idea. How can I go out and talk to a hundred people? Somebody is going to steal it. Well, it, that, this is nonsense. You, nobody, you can't, you can't solve a problem without talking to the people who have it. And the more people that you share your idea with, the more fantastic ideas that you are going to get on how to improve that product, how to make it better. And you also goes back to what I started in the beginning. I believe every person on this planet has a unique purpose and mission that they have to accomplish. And if you look at anything, let's take the basics of car manufacturers. Um, every car manufacturer has a different kind of person that they want to create a car for. Um, and the, the way they do it is in their DNA. It's in their mission. It's in the, their perspective of the world. So if, by you going out, the, and talking, the more people you talk to, again, the more good ideas you're going to get. And the second thing is that the more people that you're going and talking to, you're finding out how much they're going to pay for it. You, If you keep records on those hundred people that you talk to, you now have found a hundred potential customers that you could launch this product on a GoFundMe without any money up front. Or you can go back to those people and ask them to prepay it. So this idea of talking about your solution with the people who have the problem or need the service, it is part of the process of creating the solution to what they need. I love that super important point too. I think so many people are afraid to share their thoughts because they think someone's going to steal it. And if and if people were that motivated, right, we would be, I mean, we would see that happen more and more and we don't. Like, so don't be afraid. Test your hypothesis. I think that's super important. Yeah, it's more, more, it's harder, Tracy, to take, I wouldn't say the word criticism. I would say suggestions for improvement. Um, you know, the biggest way that an entrepreneur is going to fail is if they are so in love with the solution, don't talk to anyone or even worse, Start talking to the you know ten people who um, really want a new way of getting you know food delivered to their home, and you think you have the solution of how you're going to create a new restaurant in this COVID environment. Um, you start telling people, and you get ten people say, "Oh my God, I would never come to that. That's like crazy." But maybe if you did this, I would come to your restaurant. Well, if you if you stop talking to people after 10 people tell you, oh, my God, I'm not going to come and you continue with that idea. I mean, that, you know, that common sense tells you that you are going to fail. You have to talk to people to come up with the best solution. I also will add that we have definitely learned that even with a founder creating a diverse team, uh, and diversity is definitely um, the way that many of us now are thinking of diverse ages, backgrounds, races, points and whatever. But it's also points of view. It's extremely important that if you're an entrepreneur who's extremely creative, that you probably want to find someone potentially as a partner or at least um, someone to be working close to you that might be more 
of a uh, stickler for process numbers and money. Um, so again, teams, you know, uh, the idea of someone sitting in a business school writing a 40 page business plan in their room, we now can, it, common sense tells you in this world, that's insane. I mean, the world <laughs> is so complex that even by the time you wrote a 40 page paper, something big was going to happen. So an attitude of at least doing some things, doing a minimal viable product or service, testing the concept very quickly, showing it to people at a trade show, getting um, going into even standing on the corner, asking people to test something. Um, this is the way um, that you start. Uh, you take an idea and you begin to make it into a business. That's amazing. And, and, and I'm going to skip around a little too with your five points, because the next thing you, one of your really important things that goes with that is to set yourself some goals, but just be just a few at a time, right? Because the mind can't handle too much. So you have all this, you've tested your hypothesis. Now you got to set some goals for this business, but don't overdo it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I guess, you know, the next, you know, I, I think no matter whether you're talking about a business, I think even all of us, again, coming out of COVID have to act like entrepreneurs. So you first thing, again, you have to do is have your mission or the problem you're solving. The second thing is to have a vision of where you want to be at some point in time. Um, coming out of COVID, I am seeing that people may beginning to think they have a vision of where they want to be by summer of next year. Um, you know, more traditionally, it might have been that by December of next year or maybe the year after. But we're beginning to, um, and I think it's important to start thinking about that. If you, we've got that, we're optimists. We hope the, this will come to an end. So beginning to think a little bit about what you want your life or your business to look like um, next summer or going into 2022, it is time to start thinking. So that's your vision. Uh, and then your next step out of it is to really think of what are, and I believe in the rule of three, what are the three biggest things that you really could do to, and to help you get to where you see that you want to be in a year, 15 months, five years or whatever, but it should be three things. Um, then I also believe that you can break up whatever time chunks make sense to you. Um, I think right now it does make sense to be thinking about what you want to do between now and the end of January. Um, a lot of research shows that people are only allowed, only really commit and can change three things in 90 days. So I, again, as we begin to come out of COVID or wh whether you're starting a company or you're rebuilding your life in any way, thinking about three things that are extremely important for you to accomplish in the next 90 days is the place to move forward. And then when I've run my companies, I've always had goals written for every department, the company, everyone knew the three goals for the next year for the company, their department themselves. But we also had, then would have three goals for the month. Three on Sundays, I always ask myself, what are my three biggest goals for this week? Again, things that I must get done to get those three things 
done in the next year. And then every morning as I started this conversation, um, I do think about what are three things that I can do today that are will get those bigger goals done. And I think that's the way that I've seen uh, people move forward. Uh, people, you know, say that time management, they're overwhelmed that their things to do list has 40 items on it. Fine. But you the only way you can manage your time and really set a priority on those 40 things is to take a few minutes to look at the bigger picture of what really is important to you. And if you are clear to yourself, and even more important, if you start sharing that, even with your family or the other people that are in your company or in your business, then every everyone will work to help you. Because if you say that this is, uh, you know, if, you, if I announce today that one of the most important things to me is I want to finish writing a book, if absolutely everyone in my world knew it, they would start supporting me and asking me why I was doing things that were not letting me get that done. So that, it, that I really love just this idea of they have three goals at any point of time, put them in writing, have them in front of you, share them with other people. And that really is the secret of moving forward in your life. Right. Because then there's accountability there. And that leads us to your final, actually really beautiful point here is what do you want to be known for, right? What are your, what are you called them your forever values? I think right. that's so important. Yeah. Again, you know, using the entrepreneur model for everyone, uh, whether or not you yourself you know, want to go start Facebook. I, again, coming out of this COVID virus, I think this is another theme that's pretty crystal clear. We what you want to be known or what is the values? What are the adjectives that you want to be described by? Um, certainly, I think, you know, it's definitely been shown maybe even in our presidential campaign that if you were thinking about three adjectives for Trump and three adjectives for Biden, they would be very, very different. And I think the, the way that you find what your own values are is to think about the people who you most admire. Um, think about your shiro or your hero. Who is it that you most admire? It could be a living person. It could be someone close to you. It could be someone you've never met. But think about one or two people that you really admire. Take a few moments to write down the adjectives that you would use to describe them. Or take a few minutes to write down what it is that you really admire them for that for, for what they did, and I will tell you, you are describing yourself, and you are describing. And if uh, if I I've done this in group classes and group meetings, and you know, where people often even know each other, and people are shocked that the person will talk, just start describing their hero and hero and say, oh my God, this person is incredible, kind and caring. She, all she cares about is making the world a better place. Uh, she's always there. She was always there for someone. And when I point out to the person that they're talking about themselves, they always get shocked. And then, of course, their colleagues point out this. That's you that it, you just described yourself. Um, so I, I think it's, it's really important to think about what you want to be known for. What are the adjectives? What are the values? And again, as we come out of this crazy, chaotic time, 
uh, values, purpose, mission is really so, so, so important. And innovation, committing, getting committed to solving a problem, that is the way we're going to move into 2021 and beyond. Barbara, I can't even thank you enough for all this inspirational advice to people because I, I, I loved, I just, the overriding theme here that everyone has an entrepreneur in them. Everyone has the passion to do something and everyone has the ability to, to have these forever values. They just need to just need to put them on paper, I guess. Right. And look at them in the mirror. You you know, you have them, whether you know them or not. And it's, I just think your life becomes more efficient. And again, managing your time, managing priorities, managing um, your, you know, time is our most valuable possession. And we, you know, we only have one life to live and just, you, these things, you know, these things are in you, 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 people have adjectives, they describe you, people um, in our natural conversation, Tracy, when you introduced this seminar, it was crystal clear that you have a huge mission in these uh, podcasts that perhaps you haven't even taken the time to you know, write down the words that you used even as you introduced this podcast. So, you know, getting clarity on that and really, you know, thinking about that for a few minutes every morning, um, you know, if, if more of us got back to those that center place, uh, again, that would give me, and I think all of us, an incredible hope for this country as we come out of this and go into the next year. You have to have hope. Barbara, you are amazing. I will make sure we link to all your white papers. Thank you again for sharing so much wisdom and knowledge with us. Thank, thank you, Tracy. It was a real joy to talk to you. presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. In providing wealth management services to clients, we offer both investment advisory and brokerage services, which are separate and distinct and differ in material ways. For information, including the different laws and contracts that govern, visit UBS.com forward slash working with us. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, SIPC. 